Well, and I'm sure you met, uh, well, you talked about have, having a lot of the people who were in that very first battle with you or maybe some other battles come alongside you and went through uh, the GLA uh, Academy as well. Um, I, I assume they got those same things out of it that you got. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, we have so many success stories that I could I could connect the dots and say this, this is, you know, they had some genesis or some nexus with Americans for Prosperity. For example, our current uh, county commissioner, the first female county commissioner in Utah County, second largest county in the state, is currently Amelia Towers Gardner, who went with through the G GLA training uh, with me. I believe you had yes. her on the podcast. Um, and she was on the show, yeah. Yes, and she before that, she was the county clerk, so presiding over elections and the budget, and now those offices are separate. Anyhow, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are movers and shakers. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, when folks are young and planning out their future, you hear a lot about dreams of being a teacher, a police officer, stay-at-home mom, but how often do you hear someone say, I want to dive into politics or I want to be an elected official? Not too often, maybe just a handful. Sure, some head to college, earn a political science degree and jump into the political arena, but others find a different path to making politics a full-time job. Now, often it starts when they encounter a government barrier and then they stick around noticing more barriers that need to be broken to expand freedom or opportunities for individuals. But for some, they want to take the extra step of not just working in politics, but serving in politics by representing their community so they decide to run for office. Well, today's guest started her journey into politics when she got involved because of a local issue. Now, soon after that, she began working for Americans for Prosperity. And now she's been elected as a state senator in the state of Wyoming. I want to welcome Heidi Balderi, who is the newest state senator for District 22 in Utah. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Jeff. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations. I haven't uh, talked to you since uh, you became a state senator. I have to call you senator now instead of just <laughs> Heidi, just to be just to be polite. But congratulations to you. This is really uh, it's really a great story. It is. So, I, you know, to me, it's it's I love telling stories like this because it is great, truly a story just of someone who got involved and just kind of took the next logical step and the next step and the next step. And, you know, it sounds like you did this all for the right reasons. You know, there's a lot of people who run for political office and they do it because they want to, you know, be in some office or they want to do it. It seems like you really, truly got involved in the first place to make the world a better place, really, right? And to get rid of some of those barriers. But um, over time, you, uh, you know, you got, you got better at it. You learned, you made connections and this opportunity opened up and you took it, right? That's exactly right. So when you were growing up, what did you want to be? Uh, was was serving as an elected official ever 
something that you thought, hey, I want to do that? No, not at all. Not, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) What did you want to be when you were young? Uh, When I was young, I wanted to be a teacher and I was. Um, And then I think uh, later in life, uh, after college, after a few years, I thought I would like to be a diplomat. I had no idea how that was going to happen. Um, But those are the things that I thought I might be doing. Yeah. So, uh, and, and you were a, you were a mom. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you have a family. I've met some mm-hmm. of your family. Um, what made you first say, you know what, I want to get involved. I mean, did you, did you always care about political issues or politics or was that some, some one issue that really drove you? Well, as far as, uh, being a good citizen was always important to me back in the day kind of dates me, but, um, we subscribed to the, the print newspaper, and, uh, you know, read the paper daily and voted in every election, did my homework, did my research. And I thought that that was enough back in the day. Yeah. Until it wasn't. <laughs> what made it not be enough? What, what, what finally made you say, you know what, I've got to step into the arena here. Well, it was in the fall of early fall of 2014 and um, it happened to coincide with the year that my children, uh, all four of my children were in school for a full day for the very first time. I found myself uh, with a little bit of discretionary time and uh, there was a big local issue going on with the prison relocation. And I thought, I'll go to a cottage meeting and I envisioned myself uh, potentially passing out flyers or something very simplistic. And that's not what happened at all. So what did happen? So uh, I went to this meeting. Um, I, I found out that we were going to be get organized. And, you know, we went from meeting in someone's home, you know, for a bunch of us. And then it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, things lose steam and some people dropped off. But the, there was a core group of us. Um, we had combined two cities who were both on the short list. And um, we realized that joining and combining our efforts was going to we were going to be more successful and we would meet. Um, weekly in this person's home, often, you know, more than once a week as needed. We, we, we created a Facebook page. We, uh, we basically, what I now know to be comparative advantage, uh, used everyone's strengths and, and gave them assignments that way. We built a float for a parade. We, uh, you know, we followed the media, the committee meetings. We showed up at the Capitol. We organized a rally and protests and, um, and what I thought was going to be a simple uh, task of passing out flyers turned into so much more. Yeah. And it seems like, um, you know, that's something that, uh, that you probably never imagined yourself doing. And you kind of learned it as you went along. Right. You were probably mm-hmm. at these meetings and say, well, we need to have a Facebook page and who's good at Facebook. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that really how it went? It, it really is. Uh, we had a guy who, you know, he started doing, uh, he created video content and, um, you know, I found myself being quoted in the newspaper and doing, uh, being invited on a radio show and, um, and being on TV and, and newspaper articles. And that was not in my background at all. Uh, but it be, it became part of my new persona, uh, because I gained the skills that I needed to do to get the job done. Yeah. Did you, um, as, as you went through it, did you 
did it ever become something that you thought, well, this is kind of fun? Uh, or was it just always drudgery and work? No, I was, I was really motivated um, by the prospect of helping. I've kind of always had a kind of a service oriented nature, uh, served a service mission for my church uh, for a year and a half in a foreign country. I took each of our four kids on a service mission for two and a half weeks to uh, um, impoverished countries um, outside of our own. Um, when Hurricane Katrina happened um, in my area, they they had a bunch of evacuees from Louisiana come up to Camp Williams near where we were. And I organized resources for two months. I worked with FEMA and the Red Cross and uh, Camp Williams to these partners to and, and and basically got all the surrounding cities involved to help those who were displaced um, from that tragic event. And so, and this, it, it just happened to be political in nature. And, um, and then all of a sudden I found myself being a, a resource, not only for this, but then of course you become a trusted resource. And so we'd had, the, I would have the mayor then ask me to rally the troops for a municipal issue. And and then there was a thing at the dump behind my house and I found myself going to a county board of adjustment meeting. And then there was a salary increase for the county commissioners. And I found myself attending commission meetings. And and then it, it really just it, it spiraled from there to, to working on campaigns and um, taking on volunteer uh, positions and, and eventually some paid positions and, and more elected service and appointed service. Yeah. So it, it really just grew from, from, you know, that first meeting that you decided to go through or go to, and then, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess, little project after project fighting that first battle. And then you went from that on to other battles. Um, and I'm sure that you built kind of an army, right. That, that came along with you. Did you have people who maybe were with you in the first battle that came along to the second battle, uh, that you got involved in? Yeah, actually. So the, the following, so actually that was in 2014, AFP Utah, um, they came, Americans for Prosperity came to Utah right. in 2015. And of course, our former state director of Utah, Heather Andrews, she at the time, um, w lived, you know, roughly a mile or so from my house. And so she, um, pulled me in right away and I started volunteering there and I was able to benefit fairly early on from some of the re the resources um, that that the organization had. In particular, Grassroots Leadership Academy was a huge part of my journey. I went through all three levels of that training with the, the level three ending up um, doing that in Washington, DC. And some of those core folks who were in were the the core people in this this community fight um, actually ran for office for city council and Several of them, some of them are still serving, and one is one recently became a uh, a state representative. So, um, you know, really just from getting involved, uh, you know, for me at least, it was very organic. And I know that for some of my other friends, it was an organic journey too, where this was no, they weren't poli sci majors. Um, I certainly wasn't. My undergraduate and graduate degrees had nothing to do with politics and. Uh, I think once the, the thing for me that kept me in the fray was I know too much. I can't go anywhere. I can't, I can't pretend like I don't know. Someone's got to hold the flashlight. Right. So, <laughs> and, and that's how it's been ever since. And I think another big thing for me was, was place and circumstance. 
So in the state of Utah, we have something unique that I hadn't experienced in the other places I've lived in my life. I grew up in the East Bay of San Francisco, uh, later moved to, I went to, to college in Utah, but then moved to Washington State, lived in Eastern Washington, uh, lived in Pennsylvania, Idaho for a time. But one of the things that I was uh, newly exposed to um, through my adventures in politics in Utah was the caucus and convention system, which allowed for delegates to be actively involved in the political process, where as a state such as California, where I grew up, you know, it was who you knew or if you could pay to play. So I would never even dream of of uh, participating in, in those kinds of states. And so I think the unique uh, privilege that we have in our state to participate and really hold our elected officials feet to the fire, talk with them face to face, where I have all the way from my my U.S. senator down to my my mayor and city council members who know me by name and who will respond to my messages. That is just a gift that um, I'm really thankful for. Right. Well, you you talked a little bit about Americans for Prosperity Foundation and taking that grassroots leadership academy. You took level one, two, and three, which are the three levels that they offer. What what did what did you feel like that gave you um, as far as skill sets and and uh, you know more tools to bring to the fight? Well, some of the things that uh, the Americans for Prosperity had and has that. I really consider before uh, Americans for Prosperity came to the state, um, there were, uh, you know, a bunch of disparate groups who, you know, maybe one was pro-life, one was the Second Amendment, uh, election integrity. You had just a bunch of people um, not very organized or, or just um, one specific issue without a lot of resources. And the, the beautiful thing about Americans for Prosperity is that we had, I had access all of a sudden to these resources like I360 Call and I360 Walk for, for campaigns or education campaigns and um, resources to do events. And, and, um, it was just, it, well, it still is something that I think makes it the premier grassroots organization in the state and probably other states as well is to have all of these resources housed in one place. And while we don't cover every issue, uh, the thing that I always, you know, used as a recruiting tool was come let us help make you better and more effective so that you can go out and, and be the best at whatever it is that, that is your particular passion. So you can transfer those skills anywhere. And, um, and as a bi- or excuse me, as a nonpartisan organization, um, I think it's just, it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to offer that at no cost as a nonprofit to anyone who would like to get involved. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you met, uh, well, you talked about have, having a lot of the people who were in that very first battle with you or maybe some other battles come alongside you mm-hmm. and went through uh, the GLA uh, Academy as well. Um, I, I assume they got those same things out of it that you got. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I mean, we have so many success stories that I could, I could connect the dots and say this, this is, you know, they had some Genesis or some nexus with Americans for prosperity. For example, our current uh, County commissioner, the first female County commissioner in Utah County, second largest County in the state is currently Amelia powers Gardner, who went with through the GLA training uh, with me. I believe you had her on the podcast. 
Um, and she was on the show. Yeah. Yes. And she and before that, she was the county clerk. So presiding over elections and the budget. And now those offices are separate. Anyhow, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are movers and shakers who have, you know, have had active been active participants uh, in the organization and continue, you know, on a lesser scale. The thing the bad news is once you become involved in other things that sometimes um will will take away the time you're able to volunteer with the group. But, um, you know, even throughout the years where I was, you know, one year I was elected to be secretary for two years for the Utah County Republican Party as their secretary. So I was very busy during those years. So, you know, I maybe wouldn't go in as often as I used to, but at no point did I have any desire to, to, to leave the org. I always wanted to touch base and attend events as possible. Um, I love that they have, uh, the, with their AFP foundation, they have their, the educational component where you could go learn about foreign policy or, or whatever the, the topic of, or flavor of the day was and feel like you could get good information. They do the, the annual legislative boot camp, which is a great place where I like to really uh, encourage people to go before the legislative session begins so that they can feel comfortable uh, and realize it's just a building and this is, this is what we do and this is how you navigate it. And it's not scary and open it up and really by educating people, um, making them feel at home in a place where they, sh- they, sh- they should be comfortable. So after you became a volunteer, went through the GLA uh, uh, classes, uh, you decided to be- become a staff member for Americans for Prosperity. And you, you, you did that, did a great job uh, in that role. You did a lot of great things. I mean, Americans for Prosperity was involved in a lot of great policy victories during that time. Yep. What are some of the biggest accomplishments that you felt you were a part of, uh, you know, in Utah and and uh, and maybe even nationally while you were staff at Americans for Prosperity? So I, I remember we fought against the gas tax increase in 2018. Uh, we worked really hard to prevent the sales tax increase initiative our schools now um and we we won that fight we fought against Med- medicaid expansion we opposed the osha biden mandates um we lowered our state income tax rate multiple times uh, this year we 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 finally got school choice uh, passed um one of the biggest things that we did was we helped to reelect U.S. Senator Mike Lee by making over 400,000 phone calls um, just for his election. We we helped pass a gig uh, economy uh, bill that would help uh, give portable benefits to people like uh, Uber drivers, gig economy workers, first of its kind in the nation, working with really good coalition partners to get really good things done in the state. I'm super proud of the work I did there. Today, I, w- I just met with the Utah Taxpayers Association, and we were, uh, you know, discussing the history of when they tried to, to put the sales tax on services. And they went around and used taxpayer dollars to, to go on tour to, to promote the idea. It was, it was so, such a bad idea, they needed to promote it across the state. And then eventually they repealed it when they realized that it was a bad idea. So I'm, those are just some of the ones that are at the top of my head. But, um, Oh, we did a, we, we staged a Bidenomics protest when Biden was in, in Utah down the street. We, we did ours at the Capitol. And, um, you know, if there's, if there's something happening, Utah, uh, Americans for Prosperity usually has their hands in it. 
Yeah. Well, and you had uh, Americans for Prosperity Action engaged in the in the Senator Mike Lee uh, effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, one of the things that I think of, and I know obviously Utah pretty well because that's part of the area that I oversaw or oversee uh, at the time uh, for Americans for Prosperity. But just this great, and you mentioned it, this great school choice fight that that you had, and you even had a governor who was a Republican who vetoed uh, or, or basically said he was going to veto the bill. It didn't make it through the first time, but Americans for Prosperity, you and and others there uh, worked very hard to kind of educate and bring a coalition along. And you finally got that passed. And I, I mean, to see uh, parents of uh, B- Black Lives Matters <laughs> parents down there fighting for school choice and education was such a great moment and so great to see. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it uh, that, that, to me, that's just one of the great battles. You know, you can always look back and think, you know, uh, you see kids and we've done a lot of stories and episodes on the podcast of kids actually from Utah who have benefited from the school choice effort that was rolled out and uh, the, the uh, scholarships there that, uh, you know, you can always be really proud knowing that you are a part of that fight for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, What made you decide to to get involved here and run? It was a very crowded field. Talk a little bit about um, the the state Senate seat, the crowded field that it was and and how you were able to win. Well, uh, you know, I because we we deal with uh, policy reform and, you know, being comfortable at the Capitol and and doing the citizen lobbying. And I was it was something I already enjoyed. And I thought, you know, the only thing closer to doing what I'm already doing right now would be to be a legislator, would to be go from policy, you know, reform um, advocate to policymaker. And, you know, I thought, oh, maybe one day. But you know, to be frank, my current legislator um, in my House representative for the state of Utah is fantastic. He just won. Uh, he just won his position as that he was the House Majority Whip last year. He's now the House Majority Leader. He was actually my former. He's one of my mentors, Jefferson Moss, Representative Jefferson Moss. He was one of my mentors. He happened to live two doors down from me. Um, and we've known each other for over two decades. We actually both moved to California, moved back to the area around the same time. And, you know, I think it's not a coincidence, uh, the people that are put in our path and the opportunities that cross them. Now, this opportunity to become a legislator, again, I never considered running against um, my good friend because I'm very happy and pleased with the job that he's doing. And I wouldn't ever run just to run, uh, especially if you've been in elections, you know, if you get what you deserve. <laughs> so, um Yes. That's yeah, right. so I never considered that. And as far as our senator, our, our, our Senate seat was concerned, I actually helped him when he ran for our former senator run for House when he very first ran to be uh, in the House of Representatives. And um, I thought, you know, he's going to be in there for as long as he wants. And so, um, as you know, it's very hard to unseat an incumbent. And so I didn't uh, foresee that there would be uh, any opportunity. I wasn't, you know ambitious or desirous to move anywhere else. Uh, just happy to support those in office and, and advocate for good, good reforms. Uh, and then my, my uh, former Senator resigned uh, midterm and I found myself in a position 
um, to do something that I thought I would do maybe one day. And that day came a lot earlier than anticipated. And so I jumped at the chance. Uh, you know, it's a very attractive thing to not have an incumbent in that position. And a lot of other people thought so too. There were originally 14 of us, uh, one dropped out. Wow. So uh, one from my fellow city, Saratoga Springs, uh, he dropped out. So then there were 13. And uh, with those 13 candidates, I was kind of the outlier. Uh, the largest part of the district um, is is the city of Lehigh. And um, my district, our district encompasses part of Saratoga Springs, part of Lehigh, part of Eagle Mountain, teeny tiny sliver of Draper, which is in Salt Lake County. So we've got two counties and these cities. And I'm from Saratoga Springs and the 12 other candidates were all from Lehigh. So we had a former legislator in the mix. We had um, the daughter of uh, the former speaker of the house, first female speaker of the house uh, in there. We had, you know, 20 year DC lobbyist in there. Uh, there's some very well funded, you know, multimillionaire uh, types in there. Um, some really passionate advocates in there who just wanted to make a difference. And so uh, it was a really competitive race, but I, I think it helped step up everyone's game, or at least it did for me, right? Because I knew I had tough the competition. And so uh, after six rounds of balloting, I came out on top. Yeah, that's great. And I, I can tell you, I'm sure in a vacancy committee like that, your grassroots experience, right? The fact that you were someone who had paid attention to the grassroots, were involved in the grassroots, that probably made a gigantic difference. Uh, and it's a lot better than being a millionaire in a race <laughs> right. like that. I'd rather be the grassroots person, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and that's the thing is... Um, <clears throat> At the end of the day, you know, some of these uh, newcomers to the scene uh, just didn't have the depth of experience or the relationships, not only with the grassroots community, but with the coalition partners, with the legislators that I had, you know, grown organically and developed over, you know, the long haul, uh, you know, the last basically decade of, of these small and simple things of taking opportunities to serve. Um, as I did. And I, you know, I didn't just wake up one day um, as maybe some of the others did. And I, I applaud them, right? Any, anyone who throws their hat in the ring deserves right. my respect. Um, but I think that that for me made the difference in a, in a stiff field of competition. That was the difference maker. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. Um, so what are you hoping to be able to get accomplished while, while you're in the state Senate? What would you like to see changed? Well, uh, you know, the first year, uh, I've already got two bill files opened. Um, the first one is actually an expansion of a really good law that we, uh, uh, that Americans for Prosperity partnered with a Libertas on a youth entrepreneurship bill that, uh, the, the existing law as it is said, you know, we think, I guess the, the nickname for this law is the lemonade law. Right. Well, we kids should not have to have a business license to go sell Pokemon cards or hot chocolate or or lemonade or whatever. Right. right. They shouldn't be under those kind of uh, onerous burdens as a, as a child. And so that law passed. And um, what my law or what my excuse is not, excuse me, it's not a law yet, but hopefully uh, what my bill will do is expand that from 17 uh, year olds to eight. Well, originally the, uh, when I send it to the draft attorney, I said, let's make it 18 years old. 
because, um, you know, we still got 18 year olds in high school. They're still living at home. They're still not full adults yet. They ought to benefit from the same thing um, as, as the rest of the youth. And then I met uh, one of my legislators uh, in the house. I was talking to him about the bill and he said, well, yeah, I didn't graduate till I was 19. And I thought, oh, we got to go back to the attorneys. We got to change it to 18 or still in high school. Now we're not talking adult high schools. We're talking the traditional high school. And so that's what the, the bill will do. And I, I'm fairly confident that we could get other people on the same page to, to let kids uh, experiment, let them be entrepreneurs without those uh, heavy regulations. And then the second bill file that I've opened oh. has to do with um, giving basically uh, people uh, the, the ability to, to actually change, uh, change things from sales tax bond initiatives. So as the law uh, currently is in the state of Utah, um, if you want to uh, do a referendum on a sales tax bond, you're required to get one in five or 20% of registered voters to sign your petition. And you have 30 days to do it. Well, that's next to impossible. Now, I agree that it should be uh, difficult. Otherwise, why do we have representative government? Why do we have elected officials? It should be sufficiently hard. So we decided to keep the threshold at 20% of, of registered voters but we thought we need to extend that time to 60 days to give people a, a fighting chance. And so uh, that's the second uh, bill file that I've opened. And then got some others in the wings, but those two are, are moving ahead. Well, that's great. And, and, you know, so great to see this story, you know, from beginning to end. And, and uh, that, you know, I hope it inspires other people. And that's the, really the point, hopefully, of this episode of our podcast is to inspire people to take the same journey that you took, right? And and so you start with that first step is like, I don't like what's going on. I'm going to get involved and, and look where it ended up for you. So I really appreciate you taking the time, Heidi, and joining us. And, um, you know, let us know how we can help. We look forward to you being an AFP policy champion in the uh, Utah State Legislature. So thanks Excellent. for being Excellent. Thanks for your time today. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.